This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, the hit TV show Squid Game has highlighted just how impactful debt can be in our lives, how desperate we can get. What is debt? How can we tackle it? Financial expert David Traher joins us to understand the simple things we can do to start to make big changes inside our bank accounts to create the awareness. The International Dispatch is live with Stephen Rossiter, filling in for Chris Gilbert. Now, Chris is normally in Tokyo. Stephen is live from Scotland. What is the perspective there on the ground at COP26? Plus, are you okay with Little Caesars, school buses, highways, all of this on the Shift Daily Podcast? This is the Shift Podcast. Let's get started with this clip, which uh, is completely out of context with the story that we're telling. Okay, I got it. Well, it's got lots of pepperoni, and the crust is brushed with a buttery garlic sauce and sprinkled with parmesan. I mean, we could do something sort of like that-ish. Wait, is that a cheese and pepperoni stuffed crust? Uh-oh. Little Caesars! It's a pepperoni ambush! No, 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 no! No! Little Caesars! We're not big pizza, we're Little Caesars. The new pepperoni stuffed crust, just ten bucks. Pizza, pizza. Are you okay with Little Caesars Pizza? Now, mm. before we get started there, um, there's, there's, the, mm-hmm. we have to get started with the honest, like, look at what just happened. Yeah. Do you see it? That's a typo. Oh, okay. All right. Well, it's Little Caesars. It's the name of the Are You Okay? And the A comes before the E. Mm-hmm. Caesars is always, Caesar has always been one of my words. I have like a list of like probably a million words that I will never spell correctly. Caesar, definitely, believe. Those are, all, those are, there are some well, examples. One of your words? Like, <laughs> I said one. I just gave you a bunch of examples. Yeah, well, one of your hundreds and hundreds of words. Which I just admitted to. Okay. It's a typo! It's a typo! That's it. All right. It's not the best pizza in the world, but it's very cheap and affordable. It's yummy. Uh, It's perfect for late night snacks. You want to get a bunch for some people because they're coming over. It's great. Hangover cures. And apparently a snack to keep you full while... Stealing cars. Why wouldn't you do that? This alleged thief went on a bit of a spree, but he left a hot and ready trail for police. Marinara sauce, crust in a pizza box. Oh, and guess where he's from? What does it mean to be from Florida? Florida. Straight drill. Okay, this is gets better, by the way, with every single line. Uh, yeah. Uh, his name is Dewey. <laughs> wow. There's one you don't hear a lot. Dewey J. Smith was arrested Wednesday after taking way too long to eat his pizza. Here's more from Fox 35. Possession of a firearm by convicted felon, 5,000. Dewey Smith faced a judge Thursday afternoon and heard a long list of charges. Theft of a credit card, 1,000. 
Volusia County Sheriff's deputies arrested Smith in connection to at least two recent burglaries. They say it weren't that hard to solve. Clearly, uh, this wasn't the smartest person that we've come across this week. Smith is accused of stealing a firearm weapons permit and credit cards from two vehicles on Jefferson Avenue Wednesday and grabbing a snack that a neighbor tossed. Yep, you heard it. A pizza. This is body cam of responding deputies provided by the sheriff's office. Marinara sauce, a pizza box, and paper plates quickly became a trail of evidence for deputies. When they started knocking on doors to see who had video cameras or whatever, they encountered our witness. And when they told her the circumstances, she's like, oh, that's Dewey Smith. You know, and he got the pizza from my house. When confronted by the deputies, he you know, puts his hands up and says, you got me red handed. Okay. Okay. Get it? Because of the sauce? Red handed. Red handed? Now, I would like to draw your attention to a different piece of that. And that, to me, is the crazy similarity with that policeman's voice and the voice of a very famous character from The Simpsons, which is Chief Clarence Wiggum. The similarity is quite uncanny. Listen carefully. Sort of like that-ish. No, I got the wrong one. Sorry. All right. That's not Chief Wiggum. Yeah. All right. I'm going to get back. I'm going to continue this. We'll come back with the Chief Wiggum. That was very quick of Brendan, by the way, for me to try to do that. Despite the joke, Dewey. Can we not call him Smith? Can we just call him Dewey? I'm okay with Dewey. Yep. Despite the joke, Dewey is facing several charges, including armed burglary of a conveyance, four counts of fraudulent use of credit cards, grand theft of a firearm, and possession of a firearm by a convicted felon. He's being held Omnum, omnum, like pizza. Omnum. Mm. He's being held on seventy-one thousand dollars bond. And just to be clear, Ryan did the calculation. With that I kind did. of money, Dewey could have bought eight thousand eight hundred and seventy-five pizzas. Wow! Wow! Cause and effect. Beautiful. I can't believe he left a pizza behind. It's like a Pink Panther episode right there. Like you literally yeah. just hear dun, dun, dun. <laughs> he's like some um, marinara sauce on the ground. Right. Okay. Now, uh, Chief Wiggum. Can we get the clip? We got it. Clearly, uh, this wasn't the smartest person that we've come across this week. That's fantastic how much he sounds like Chief Wiggum. And I do want to clarify, there's a text that says, Clancy Wiggum, not Clarence. Jeez, man. Actually, Chief Clancy Wiggum's name is Chief Clarence Clancy Wiggum on The Simpsons, if you give it a bit of a, a character search, Chief Wiggum. So his name actually is Clarence. Jeez, man. Are you okay? Are you okay with driving on highways? Yeah, I love it. Uh, yeah, it's. it's I hate it. I hate it. Road I hate trips, being in a man. car on a highway. Really, dude, uh, driving free, Smiths cranked up, no one else in the car to hear it. Okay, It'd be awesome. Sorry, let me let me elaborate. I don't live like uh, Crowchild or any of the highways within a city. Suck. Mm -hmm. I hate those. A highway like driving from a city to another or like on a road trip, that's a completely different ballpark. I'm all for that. Mm. But inner city highways, no thank you. I 
I love the U.S. interstate systems. Those are my favorite highways to drive. I I just, I drove, I've driven all over them. Uh, A great drive I did years ago was from Niagara Falls to Los Angeles. And wow, that's a trip. To drive eight hours, like say one day, you know, you leave Kansas City, the Great Plains, and over a course of eight hours, you go through the plains, you go through the Rockies, you go through into the desert, and suddenly you're in Las mm-hmm. Vegas, all on the same road. And it's it's yeah. it's a great it's great. It's pretty I cool. Would suggest anyone do it. Well, on the Trans Canada, if you drive across the prairies you can drive for eight hours, still not be at your destination, hit 473 potholes, not even turn the wheel because it's still straight, saw nothing different, and you're still not there. Yeah. So, yeah. Or you could drive for eight hours nonstop in northern Ontario, say yeah. from Thunder Bay, and not even make it to yeah. really Sault Ste. Marie yet. And by the way, you passed one gas station. See, there's a reason so. why when I came mm-hmm. from southern Ontario to Vancouver, I drove through America because... There's gas stations. There's gas stations. It helps. That does help. Hmm. It's the fastest way to get from point A to point B as long as you're on the ground. Most of those highways, especially in rural communities, there are dozens of school buses that take kids to school. A group Mm -hmm. of kids and two bus drivers are lucky to be alive after the most terrifying thing that could possibly happen on a highway happened. Do you remember the scene from Final Destination 2 with all of the logs coming off the logging truck? And it oh causes that God. crazy crash. Do you, do you remember that scene? Like you've yes. seen it, like in uh, Highway to Every Hell time. on the TV show. Every time you drive by one of those trucks, I get anxiety that the logs are going to come flying off, and I'm going to be impaled yeah. every single time. Now the good news is everybody's okay. Just want to say that before we play the story. That happened just north of Edmonton this week. Here's more from Global. I just spoke with the uh, RCMP sergeant on scene and he said, you know, as a father uh, with kids who used to ride the school bus, coming upon this scene is horrific. Let me give you a look of just what happened. This is Highway 18 through Barhide and the intersection of Highway 33. So it looks like the school bus was traveling on Highway 18, the logging truck turning onto the highway, taking a right at the intersection when a log came off, slamming into the school bus at the back. We know that there were kids on board but amazingly, they are all okay. So are the two drivers, both of the school bus and of the logging truck. Now, this happened around 8.30 this morning and right outside the school. Uh, so the bus was able to stop. All the kids got off themselves. There was no rescue that had to happen, and they were able to go into the school uh, for safety and to recover. Uh, exactly why the log fell off the logging truck is still under investigation. You can see the highway is still closed right now. It's expected to be for several hours as police starts to investigate uh, exactly what happened. But the sergeant said uh, that certainly charges uh, have not been ruled out. Do you ever wonder after the fact where they were like, hey, by the way, we shouldn't have done that by the crosswalk (laughs) with the sounds? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Speaking from experience, yes. Sometimes you think, ooh, this looks pretty. And then you start. And traffic starts, and then you hear the beep boops beep and all boop. that. Yes. Beep boop. Okay, I'm going to describe to you as best I can, Ryan. You can tell me if this is a good description or not of what the bus yes. looks like with the logs that have gone through the side of the bus. When you go to McDonald's and you get a Diet Coke and you have the cap, right, the, the plastic top, 
And then you have your McDonald's straw that I think they use paper straws now, but let's pretend they're still yellow plastic ones with white stripes. And you take that and you just go pop and you pop it down through that plastic lid at McDonald's. Now you can drink your Diet Coke. That's what it was like. That's how easy and exactly how sideways those logs went through that school bus right in the side of the front. That's pretty much how they just went pop right through. That's a pretty good description. Yeah, it looks like uh, a toy and the log bent the toy to its will. That's what it looks like. It just tore it apart. It's it the fact that nobody was even injured is insane. Yeah. Like I don't yeah. I don't know. <laughs> We're going to uh post that story by the way, the video of the story. We'll post it up on the uh, shiftheads.ca on the Facebook group so you can see it. The bus belonged to Pemina Hills School Division, which said there were elementary, junior high, and high school students on the bus number 25 when the crash happened. The school superintendent told Global News there would usually be 31 kids on that bus. But on Tuesday, there was 21 kids and two adults on the bus for morning drop-off. Ten were not there, and the kids of all ages, everybody was fine. Wow. That's good news. (laughs) That's every, that is good news for Good News Tuesday. That is, that is every parent's absolute worst nightmare phone call, by the way. Absolute worst nightmare phone call. Okay. Let's get one more. Are you okay? Super quick here before we're done. Uh, are you okay with taking a bath? More of a shower guy. Me too. I don't, I never take the time to do it. Love baths. I know. Um, yeah, it's nice to sit down in warm water, Ryan says, and relax. Maybe you put some bubbles in there, a bath bomb, some fancy salts. I do like the tea tree oil, like echinacea smelling, whatever they are. Uh, salts, those are nice. But if there is one thing we all need from a bath, it is privacy. Yes, privacy matters. So it's not great when you find a stranger in the bathtub. A Denver family is warning others in the area to be on the lookout after a bizarre home burglary last week. The thief, spelled much like Ryan spells belief. That's a typo. The thief only took two things, water and a glass of wine. That's exactly what you take to the bath. Here's more from Fox 35. So random. (laughs) But when Anna Lamers and her wife Holly heard this, they knew something was wrong. The guest bedroom door just slammed shut. I heard that door slam and I just yelled, Anna, we need to get out of the house right now. The couple ran outside, calling 911 while hopping in their car. Denver police officers were there within minutes, finding something this couple never expected. They said, yeah, we found a woman in your bathtub taking a bath um, with a glass of wine. Okay, so Anna and Holly believe the woman entered through their dog door and say it's a good warning for others. That dog door is now shrunk up nice and small. I, I made it that way, so no grown human can fit through it. They believe the woman was experiencing homelessness and quickly decided not to file any charges. It kind of went from sheer terror to feeling kind of sad. I mean, she just wanted a bath. So we hope, hopefully she got some of the help that she needs. Yeah. Oh, that's incredibly nice and kind. Um, home invasions terrify people. What a positive attitude to have. All right. Just a few weeks ago, police in Turnto began their search for a similar perpetrator. He allegedly broke into an East End Toronto home armed with an axe and took a shower before fleeing with some stolen stuff. He was last seen wearing light-colored hooded jacket with light-colored pants, uh, tan and brown ankle boots, 
and that looked like blundstones. What are blundstones there, shoe guy? It's a, it's a type of shoe that I don't wear. I'm not a blundstone kind of guy. I think it's like a okay. loafer. All right. A loafer? You're not a loafer guy? Nah. No. I thought they were trendy. No? All right. Anyway, oh, they're fine. Uh, so just, not me. These things happen, and... um. And no word if that guy took a towel to steal or if he had a glass of wine while he was there. What incredibly kind, nice people. This is the Shift Podcast. I'm going to introduce you to uh, uh, one of the fun kinds of accountants. David Traher is, uh, he used to be an accountant. He's still technically an accountant, but not as working as an accountant. Uh, became an author, started writing about uh, money and debt and teaches how people can structure their lives, learn from it, experience it, realize that they actually have tools at their disposal and all of those things around money. So I'm going to start this conversation with David quite simply with the question that we're afraid to ask our friends, the question we're afraid to ask our family members, and frankly, a question that we're afraid to ask ourselves uh, from time to time. David, thanks for being here. How's your money? <laughs> uh, my money is a lot better than it used to be. Um, we were talking before. I mean, I, I've made mistakes. I've seen a lot of people make mistakes. Uh, I mean, the one major mistake is being a credit card revolver, mm-hmm. and it, which is somebody who can't afford to pay off their credit cards. It's one of the worst financial moves anybody could make. Um, but because life is uh, expensive, Many people end up in that situation. And I was in that situation. I was a credit card revolver uh, in my 20s um, when I was starting my accounting practice and we had young kids. My w- wife worked as well. Uh, and I, that ate away at me every day. I knew as an accountant, this is a terrible thing to be in. But as I say, life gets in the way. It's just so expensive to, to live. I live in Toronto, uh, bringing up young kids. There's just so much demand for your money that uh, I can understand why people fall into that position. It's not always because they're uh, bad with money or, or, or they're wasting money or, uh, you know, uh, not caring about money. It's just life gets in the way. Why are we afraid to talk about it, David? Well, it's kind of embarrassing, right? I, I mean, I, I've talked to probably thousands of people about the subject of personal finance and I, I can't recall anybody who admit, admitted to me that they were a credit card revolver. Everybody I talk to, especially accountants, it's the first thing to say, oh, I've always paid off my credit card each and every month and never paid a dime in interest. And uh, I mean, I, can, I know why people don't want to admit that, because it's, uh, it's embarrassing. You're, we're not supposed to be in that situation. Uh, and that's why I, I mention it here in, in this interview, and I've mentioned it in, in uh, some of my books before. Um, life is tough. Life, it, it's difficult to balance the budget for most people. Well, not only that, I would go further, Dave, and you can tell me that if this is right or wrong. I mean, most people don't even know what a budget is. I mean, I, I was, I bet you I owned a business for 10 years before there was a budget involved. And, mm-hmm. um, I fell behind in all of that it took forever to get out of. And, um, you lie to yourself you think you're okay, then you start to avoid it, then you just stay away from it, you don't want to yeah. look at it, and it gets worse, and it starts to hold you back. But it's not only, it's not, money has mechanisms behind it. 
I really don't worry about the money, to be honest. And you can tell me because you're the expert here, but I worry about the burden. I worry about the burden that we carry every time we want to go buy groceries and we're like, will it go through? The burden we carry when we look at that car that we really want, because I don't mean like it's a nice car or an expensive car. I just mean because it's like the dream car. I've always Mm -hmm. sort of taken the side of like, just buy things you love and then don't buy the things that you don't love. Um, And, Mm -hmm. you know, I realize cars aren't the best investment, but if you love it, it's your life. So the burden that comes with that, you must see people that just carry this. Oh man, it's heartbreaking to see what they, what, when they think of money, they think of it dreadfully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's a sad reality. A lot of the population are, are just not good with numbers. I'm, you know, more than, uh, more than uh, aware that most people aren't cheap tightwad accountants like me. Uh, so when I'm giving advice, I, I have to put myself in their shoes. What would it be like if I was somebody, say, a spender rather than a saver? Um, and, and I have to be conscious of the fact that many Canadians are in that situation. Uh, as you said, uh, many people don't really understand what budgets are. They don't really understand what debt is. Uh, there's no way they're going to do what I recommend everybody does, which is to track their spending that's the best thing anybody can do if they want to get out of debt or help plan for retirement is to uh, somehow track your spending, whether you're you know, efficient with Excel, you download the information from your bank's website, even do it manually, even do it for one month. That's golden information because it tells you where your money has gone in the past. And also you can compare that to how much money you bring home, your take-home pay, And these people who are in the unfortunate situation of being credit card revolvers will see that the spending exceeds the net pay that's coming into their bank account. And it's just getting worse and worse every month, especially given that many of the credit cards are charging over 20% interest that compounds monthly against them. Uh, So yes, it's, uh, I think, a bigger problem for those that aren't really financially educated than it is for people who, uh, who are. Well, I've always say this and I'll say it again for the shift head audience. They're going to, uh, so I'm going to sound like a broken record here, but you know, this all starts in school. When we teach money to kids in school, if we want to change our lives and change our country, we start with the kids in school and we really truly need those kids to understand how money works. Yes. M- most of us are here today. We don't have that luxury, right? Um, some of us had maybe mom or dad that ran a side hustle or owned a business and learned a little bit about it. But, um, you know, income versus expenses, as simple as a notion that is, most people have never had the experience of doing it. So here mm-hmm. we are, a bunch of adults looking forward at retirement going, oh, crap, I'm never going to make it. What, how do we even truly start? Is it as simple as I'm going to go over the, Okay, well, you know, it's early November. So let, am I going to go over October right now? I'm literally just going to write out everything I spent in October just so I can get a snapshot. Is that how we start? Uh, I think that's a good starting point. But I, I think what you're saying with respect to financial literacy, this is a kind of a bee in the bonnet that I've had for, for years, is why isn't basic financial literacy a core part of uh, secondary school education? Why, why isn't there a course on it? Um, you know, you hear a number of different provinces talk about bringing it in and sort of it comes in. I hear there are many problems involved, especially uh, or one of them being many teachers don't feel comfortable teaching the subject themselves because they're not that financially literate. Right. 
Um, but, you know, in, in my older age, I'm going to be 63 this year. And it becomes more and more clear to me that really there, who has a vested interest in us knowing really how to handle our money well? A financially illiterate consumer is a bank's best customer. Right. Right. So, so I'm not saying there's a big conspiracy or anything like oh, that. Oh, I will. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe there is. Yeah. But from a bank's point of view, what's your ideal client? It's somebody who does isn't really good at money because they're probably going to be a credit card revolver. Great. We get to record 20% interest every year on, on the money they owe us. They're going to bounce the odd check. We can charge them overdraft fees. They're not going to worry about paying bills on time. Uh, they're going to buy our expenses, expensive mutual funds without really asking any questions. They'll just accept the posted rate on the mortgage, the posted rate on GIC. It's, it's money in the bank for the banks uh, when they're dealing with a less financially literate uh, consumer. Safe to say that you could probably cross that over to governments. And I'm not going to ask you to comment on this government. You can keep those uh, political opinions yourself if you feel appropriate. Thanks. But we have um, we we don't pay attention to monetary policy and budgets balance themselves. That sort of mentality when when I don't understand monetary policy and I don't understand budgets balance themselves. A mm-hmm. that that's a quite a terrible example for a leader uh, yes. just in just for life. And B it also sort of allows space for everybody to be terrible at it. So nobody questions what governments get up to. So um, that's why I say, you know, we are literally not given this information. So we can't challenge the decisions that are made. And so I will throw Mm -hmm. it out there and do that. So how do we get started here? Because you've got all kinds of books and, um, Mm -hmm. and we need to know some of the basics. We need to be able to look at our money and do this. And I'll, I'll be honest with mine, David. So what I started this year, uh, it's 20 years that I've owned a business. This year was the first year and I built my own spreadsheet and the entire spreadsheet is every single week, every single Sunday, I do every mm-hmm. single dollar that I have or don't have every single dollar that I owe. Even if I have $7 on the counter, it gets put into that spreadsheet. And mm-hmm. I have been able to take a lot of the pressure off on the months where there has not been enough money that maybe an investment was able to make that up. Mm-hmm. Well, I, okay, I think there's there's two things here. First of all, there, there's a business. If we're running a business, most business people know how vital it is to have uh, accurate records. In my books, I, that's the way I approach the whole subject of personal finance. I say, uh, you individuals that don't have a business, well, you are like a business. An individual's financial situation is very much like a business. They've got cash coming in. They've got cash going out. Uh, they've got a balance sheet called a net worth statement uh, for an individual. So I, I try and encourage people to treat their personal life more like a business. But getting back to those people with a business, I was talking to you a little bit earlier about this with your business. The most important thing with a business is to have accurate and current record keeping. When I was an accountant, an accountant versus a bookkeeper, an accountant usually does the year end, what's called the year end. They take the accounting records, put together the financial statements, and, and then do the corporate tax returns or the personal tax returns if they're unincorporated. Uh, those people that don't have accurate bookkeeping throughout the year don't really have a clue what's going on with their business. Then with a corporate tax return, it's due six months after the year end. They bring up literally a shoebox to their accountant. The accountant then tells them six months after the year end that they lost money last year. Well, it's already halfway through the next year. Mm -hmm. It's too late to do anything about it. 
And even as an accountant, not a bookkeeper, I would tell clients, look, getting a good bookkeeper or learning how to do your own bookkeeping is more important than the year-end accountant. So again, you know, uh, this is what I try and encourage people to do with their personal finances. You mentioned uh, those who are perhaps trying to get better control over the finances. Uh, would it be a good idea tracking what happened in October? Yes, definitely. It's not going to be the same as probably December because of, you know, holiday shopping and things like that. But in my experience, people are, are very consistent month to month. So if you do one month, that gives you a pretty good idea. You multiply all the the expenses in there by 12, you get a, you know, you get a basic idea of what would be happening in a typical year. Uh, but more importantly, seeing where the number is going at least gives you a chance the next time you're going to spend in that one category where you're spending too much. Maybe at the back of your mind, you might say, oh, wow, yeah, I, I know last month we really went over in this area. Let's maybe not do that this month. If you don't track, where's the incentive to change anything? Okay. Tracking's not fun. How do we make it fun? <laughs> well, no, I mean, well, uh, you've got these automated systems like the the apps that automatically connect your accounts, but then they're doing it automatically. Yeah. You don't really see the numbers. You're not manually going, whoa, that was $9 for coffee today. That kind of stinks, yeah. right? Like you don't actually, uh, you're not present to it. So how do we make it fun? How do we get present to all the numbers without just adding another job? Because I don't know about you, David. I got lots to do around here. I've got my yeah. fans from summertime sitting right here. I need to take those to the basement. The basement needs to be cleaned, right? I've got to do some work on the car. I've got to sweep the garage. I've got other things that I'd yeah. like to do. Well, this is the problem, right? The recommendation is going to cause short-term pain. Nobody wants to do that. Uh, and the benefit that comes out of it is long-term financial security. So you, you bring in behavioral economics with this, uh, this present moment bias. People value their current time more than they do their time 20 or 30 years from now. It is admittedly a hard sell. It is a hard sell uh, to, to get people to really take control and spend some time on their personal finances. But I, I make the point that if you do that and you can save, say, a couple of thousand dollars, maybe by shopping around next time your mortgage comes up for renewal and getting a better rate. Well, you saving $2,000 of, of money that would, you would have spent personally is better than an investment that brings in $2,000 because investment income is taxed. Same with working harder or getting a bonus. When you're in the top bracket, the government takes half of it anyway. But when you save personal spending, you, you save personal expenses, that's out of after-tax money. It's literally, you get uh, you know, a significantly higher amount of benefit from cutting personal expenses. Um, so, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it is a different, difficult sell to people it who is. are financially but literate, for sure. If it was easy, that's why we, would, we wouldn't be, need to have this conversation. So I'm going to drill right. this down. I'm going to try to think of, um, you know, we've got folks who are listening from executives to um, people who didn't graduate school. Uh, we've got mm -hmm. people who love to drive a truck and they love that job and that's their job. And so it's not like they can have an easy side hustle when they're sitting in a truck. Uh, you know, so there's all kinds of different career security folks, right? Uh, you, it's hard to be some security jobs. You're sitting at a desk. You could probably do some side hustle. Other security jobs, you're driving around. You can't do that. So um, mm -hmm. one of the things that I, I sort of come to is is when we're talking about make money, pay the bills. Is this enough of a crossroads to maybe bridge that gap right into people's lives today, David? Is that 
taking a little bit of overtime this month to make a little bit of extra money works. It's what we've been doing. We work harder. We generate more taxes for the government, which is what they want us to do. And we Mm -hmm. make that extra couple hundred bucks at the end of the month, which helps us buy the birthday present, buy the Christmas present, whatever we need to do, pay off the credit card. If you could somehow find a way to stomach it for one month, not take the overtime and take the two hours or whatever the overtime might be and sit down with your money with help or with a book or read a book or sit down and literally track it. Mm-hmm. Would that be that pain before it gets better moment and say, look, I'm not going to work overtime to make the extra couple of bucks. I'm actually going to fix the root of my money this month. And so hopefully yeah. I'm 50 bucks more efficient next month, 50 bucks more efficient next month. And I'm not working more. Yeah. Uh, that's fine. I mean, ideally you work the overtime, but also allocate a couple of hours to your personal finances. Um, as I say, I think it's a, a very wise investment of time spending time on your personal finances. It, it basically can save you money without any effort. Say you shop around for a better mortgage or or let's take investing, for example. Many people try to get ahead and, and the only thing they invest in is very expensive uh, mutual funds from their bank. Uh, well, they just uh, are unaware that they're not making a good rate of return. And obviously, when you want to retire, the key is saving money, but also the rate of return you get, which is affected by fees. There is now a provision, the regulators have brought in a provision that every investment firm has to disclose to their clients the amount of fees they withheld in the year on their account and their personal rate of return. So, and it's usually in the December statement. So I, I recommend any, any of your listeners, look at your December 31st, 2020 statement and your December 31st, 2021 statement when it comes in and educate yourself. See what the situation is. See what the fees are that you're paying in relation to the rate of return you're getting. Um, it's extremely important to control fees. Uh, fees are not bad on their own uh, if it's accompanied with a good rate of return after those fees. So, you know, a few hours once a year uh, that would uh, enlighten you as to what's going on with your finances. Maybe you're then uh, upset or not happy with what you've got. Hopefully that'll spur you to find somebody better that gets a better rate of return. And that can make a huge difference down the line uh, when it comes to retiring. So it's not just debt that we're talking about. uh, You need to save money, but you also have to get a half decent rate of return on that money without accepting too uh, too much risk. There's a lot of, uh, I mean, investment advisors out there that are really good. And there are a lot that are simply salespeople. Uh, You know, anybody uh, selling mutual funds for a bank better be pushing products that are profitable for the bank. Otherwise, why are they employed by the bank? This puts them in a direct conflict of interest with with, uh, investors because uh, investors would rather uh, buy a lower fee product and the sellers would rather a higher fee product. So there's a lot of different things that people can spend time on. Uh, So many different uh, conversations we can have. I look forward to having them. David Traher, T-R-A-H-A-I-R.com, Traher.com is the website. Go check out the books. Is there one book that you recommend that we start with? I guess everyone's place is a little bit different. I mean, Crushing Mm -hmm. Debt seems to me to be a great one, but a lot of us are all looking forward at retirement, kind of ready to give up. So. Well, then I would recommend the first book I ever wrote, which I thought was going to be the only book I ever wrote, Smoke and Mirrors, Financial Myths That Will Ruin Your Retirement Dreams. 
Um, it is a, a book that's very easy to read. It was written not just for accountants, but uh, a lay, the layperson. And all my books come with spreadsheets that, uh, that people can use for free to help, for instance, in that case, plan for retirement. There's one called The Retirement Optimizer that comes with that book. Uh, so that's a good one to start with. The latest one I wrote is, is uh, The Procrastinator's Guide to Retirement, How You Can Retire in 10 Years or Less for those people who are approaching retirement but are nowhere near financially ready. Uh, but for the starter book, uh, The Smoke and Mir- Mirrors would be the better book. David Traher, author. I look forward to talking about this more. I think that we have so many levels of this conversation in front of us. Um, we, we all, as Canadians, we look at this, uh, oh, we can look at everything, COVID-19 debt alone as Canadians, uh, and go, wow, you know what? We have a lot that we need to take care of in our own books, probably before we start judging the government's books. So, Right on. It's amazing. Thanks, David. Thanks, Shane. This is the Shift Podcast. Welcome to the International Dispatch from our world citizen. Live from Japan, New Zealand's Chris Gilbert. Well, this is not New Zealand's Chris Gilbert. It is uh, London, England's Stephen Rossiter, who resides for work in Scotland, all the way from the Indeed. other side. We literally skipped right, from the, that side. The other way. We went the other way uh, for this conversation to chat with Stephen. Now, if you remember the name, you might remember the voice. Highlandtitles.com is what Stephen works with. They're a nature preserve, and um, they sell uh, the uh, the land. We're going to get to that shortly. If you're looking for the perfect Christmas gift, it's a fantastic way to do it. Uh, I think we sold quite a few of them, actually, last year with so many people interested in it. Really did, yeah. Uh, we'll, get, yeah. we'll get to that shortly. Now, no, Stephen, right. how are you? You look good. I'm, I'm, I'm very good, Shane. I'm very good, Shane. How, how are you? I'm Been wonderful. Thank you. spoke. It has been a little bit since we've had a chance to talk, and you have the entire world in your backyard right now. We do. They've all got in their jets and their planes, and they've flown all the way to Scotland to talk about, oh, climate change. Yeah. Strange. Oh, listen to anyway. I here. love it. Listen to the irony. <laughs> You're already just soaking road. it in irony. <laughs> I love it. Oh, yeah. man. Okay. Well, (laughs) you have everybody. Sorry, no, you just took the exact tone that I've been taking, so I just get a kick out of it. I love it. Okay, well, so look, up for discussion here is we all know that we need to be more responsible as human beings. That's not up for debate. I think that goes without saying, doesn't it? Right, that goes without saying. We need to be smarter, kind of like the signs that say don't litter on the side of the highway. I mean, really, we don't need that part, I think, we should all have a grip on, and that's really fundamentally we need to take care of the planet. So that's not up for debate here. The way they go about it is different. Can you give us a bit of a maybe a, a snapshot of what you see? Describe it, what you're seeing with COP26 in Scotland. I mean, you're not like right there, right there, but you are. Well, no, I'm not, What's I'm not like? right there. But I mean, at, at the moment, I mean, you can't pretty much move in Glasgow. Uh, Glasgow's almost shut down. In fact, I think it was easier during lockdown to get around Glasgow than it is now. <laughs> Uh, um, so it, it, it does baffle me a little bit that they have to fly it. You know, they want to talk about climate change and they want to talk about how we're destroying the environment and all these, you know, for the last 18 months, we've all been encouraged to stay at home, work at home, do zoom meetings. And yet when it comes to talk about climate, which is, you know, effectively flying around the world can you know, it's it's evident that that can damage the uh, the the climate. 
um, they all fly into Gla- they all fly into Glasgow uh, mm-hmm. to talk when they could have done it on the internet. And the two countries that they're criticising, uh, China and Russia, for not attending, actually attended the meeting by uh, by Zoom. So you do it's sort of do as we do, do as we say. I have to say I'm not impressed personally. You know, at, uh, Highland Titles, we do a lot for the environment. We're all about. Um, you know, replanting the native trees, keeping the the forestries, keeping the, the 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 trees alive, keeping the forestries going, and um, you know, it, it is a shame that they feel necessary to all meet in the same place. Hey. So you can take a couple of lenses here, Stephen, because, I mean, your work with Highland Titles is in Scotland, but your family and your heritage is from London, um, you know, down the roads. So um, can you can you maybe, I don't know if it's the same, then share it as the same. If the perspective in Scotland is a little bit different than it is, like, in Britain, then um, share, like maybe share that too. But what what is the perception of this generally when you go to the pub, you're sitting down with the, the fellas, and you're talking about it? Uh, what is the... Do they buy into all the drama Look, I think of this? The general perception is this. The general perception, you know, climate change is going to happen. You know, no matter what we as humans do or say or sit around a table and debate, it, it, there's not a lot that we can really do that's going to change it. We might be able to delay it by 100 or 200 years, but we're not going to have, we're not going to be able to stop it. And I think the the general sort of conception amongst my group of friends is that let's do our bit to try and minimize it let's not be um you know let's not go mad but at the same time you know try to um understand what's going to happen and make the necessary adjustments to prepare for what's happening you know um and i think maybe they should be looking more about doing that i mean there's a lot of targets being thrown around by 2030 to do this 2050 to do that keep the the warmth down to one and a half degrees and you know let them get on i have to say you know i i'm not a really a you know show i don't really have many hard political views so um i may not be the best person to (laughs) to talk about it but from a well no i think it's real though what i I say is you know know what i mean it's happening we've got to live with it it's a bit like I had felt about coronavirus. You know, we've got to live with coronavirus as we go forward. We're not going to be able to eradicate it. As a, as a world, we have to learn to live with it. And the vaccine is the way that we learn to live with it. Um, and with climate change, the way we learn to live with it is that we reduce our CO2 input to, to as much as we can. Um, we try to drive electric vehicles where we can, but that will have its issues. Everybody driving an electric vehicle by 2050 mm-hmm. in the United Kingdom will present a different set of problems. Um, right. And, you know, they've got to be able to manage it. They can't just, you know, sometimes they go off at a government seem to go off at a big tangent. You know, I, I still firmly believe that the reaction to coronavirus was, was a real was wrong you know it was just oh my goodness we just need to shut down and some countries their economy including the united kingdom their economy is shot to pieces and then you look at other countries where they didn't go as as mad so to speak they didn't completely shut down their whole economy they're in a similar situation to what the united kingdom are now with deaths and with infections so Mm -hmm. i just think you know sometimes governments overreact and it they overreact because of pressure from 
media and from social media. And they're trying to please, you know, the media want stories, they want excitement, they want danger, they want this. And, you know, it was a great, you know, lockdown, lockdown, we must lock down. You know, but nobody actually said, hang on a minute, if we lock down, what's actually going to happen to the economy when we try to reopen up? What's going to happen to people's jobs, people's livelihoods? You know, let's think about that. And they don't. Yeah, but we try to do our bit. Yeah, well, you guys do, and, and, and that's one of the cool parts about it. And that's one of the things you need to understand is that, you know, Highland Titles, as, as, a, as a piece there, is, um, is it sort of a nature preserve, right? So, so when you hear this yeah. conversation, I want you to keep in, in mind, and we will elaborate on that before we're done, but no, this, right. this yeah, is coming yeah. from, right, this is coming from a place where uh, it, the whole structure of the organization, everybody works there, is about protecting it. So that, that's what's the important part is. Now, I have a couple of uh, quick questions, though is um, cost of living is one of the biggest conversations here that we have. Um, we hear through the news that cost of living in uh, the EU and the UK, all things Brexit mixed together, is making things skyrocket, energy shortages, all yep. those things. Can you give us a snapshot of what yep. that looks like? Is it happening? <clears throat> so at the moment, we've got... Uh, so people, the, the, the big buzz thing at the moment is panic buy. Everybody's panic buying. It started um, a while back with fuel. So um, we're paying the most we've ever paid now for a, a litre of, um, of fuel. And uh, the same now goes for Christmas toys. So we are seeing apparently panic buying of presents, empty shelves. And it all stems a lot uh, for shortage of containers from the Far East. So as we all know, so much comes from the Far East now, from China, in terms of goods and toys. And because of the pandemic, all the containers are in the wrong place. Um, so containers are more expensive to ship. We also have the issue, as I've just with um, our gas and electricity, where the wholesale price has doubled, in some cases tripled. Um, and people are having to pay double for their gas and electricity than they were six months ago. And again, you couple that with people who have, you know, been unable to work for the last 18 months due to the pandemic have just you know have lost their jobs because our furlough scheme has now ended so we're seeing that there's a lot of unemployment uh, people are being sacked because they haven't had two vaccinations they can't work in the nhs service now if they haven't had two vaccinations and they're threatening to sack people in in a week's time and you put all that together and you know people in the pub are going God, you know what what's next and and people are basically sort of looking after themselves and they're saying, right, well, if I need, you know, if I want to stock up on my baked beans and make sure I've got enough food to feed my family before the crisis is, I'm going to go in and I'm going to strip the supermarkets bare. And you go round and they are empty shelves in some cases. It's difficult mm -hmm. to pinpoint exactly what uh, what product it is, but they're definitely, uh, they're definitely are <laughs> one. <laughs> A friend of mine said uh, to me the other day for one product, he said, we can't find any lemon curd anywhere. You know, is <laughs> bizarrely there. Every right. supermarket was out of stock. I don't quite know why you wanted lemon curd. I just said, make your <laughs> own, get a few lemons and sort it out. <laughs> sort it out. Um, so how do you heat your home, Stephen? Uh, I heat my home with gas. Yes, gas. Natural gas. I have to think about that then. Gas, yeah. I have a hive thing. I just turn it on and off. Yeah, gas. We have a boiler. Okay. 
Okay, great. Okay, so that, like it's amazing because everybody's so different, right? I was just super curious about uh, which way that goes. It sounds incredibly similar. Like we, we're getting told that all these things is what everybody's talking about, but the reality is is that everything you said about jobs, vaccinations, uh, governments, everything is the exact same conversation that we're that we're we're having here in Canada. So as it goes on, everyone's having the same conversation all over the world. It really is. I'm and sure as everything's Maybe going on there with COP26, what does everybody say about COP26? Like your, your friends back in London versus, uh, you know, hanging out with your buds when you're at work in Scotland. Is the conversation around COP26 just about the bluster and, and the wind that is you know, the hypocrisy of it all? I, I think it's a hypocrisy is the buzzword about COP26, if I'm absolutely honest. I don't, I think the people in Glasgow see it as a major inconvenience. The majority, you know, to their their working lives because they can't move around the city um the roads were gridlocked when they all arrived so that was more pollution going into the uh the atmosphere i mean the whole thing just smacks of hypocrisy you know if they'd all just stayed at home and done it on zoom or another way then i think we'd have saved a lot of co2 emissions around around the glasgow area i really do so here, I mean, we even Greta about... Thunberg decided to fly in. For goodness' sake, I you know, know, right? I, I just, <laughs> it, it just, it just baffles me beyond belief what these people do, you know. Yeah. And then they they go on about how we should all be, you know, trying to save the environment. Yet <laughs> they don't do it. It just is crazy. It, it really is. is. Um, it's funny you when you laugh say that. about it in a way, because if you don't laugh about it, you then become an extremist and you start gluing yourself to the M25 and stopping the traffic because you become too yeah. extreme and say, no, the government have to do something about it. And I don't agree with that either. You know, we've got these extreme groups that, you know, glue themselves to major highways and stop the traffic moving in the name of climate change. Oh, hey, don't and- worry. I got a story for you, Stephen. There's a guy here in Canada that's been arrested for scaling the CN Tower, the big tower in Toronto. He also got arrested oh, yeah. for for uh, climbing one of the provincial premier's homes years ago to hang uh, Kyoto banners on it. And now he's just been appointed the federal environment and climate change minister by the federal government. So, hey, we got our own problems here uh, that are mind-blowing. Okay, so when we hear about uh, Boris Johnson, we hear about a couple of things at COP26. Number one, I absolutely love his completely disheveled hair always. And the other thing oh, is... Oh, yeah, it's great. If- I only wish I had hair to be able to... Uh- to have it disheveled. I think I would do the <laughs> same if I had as much hair as him. That's so good. They um they also have a lot of memes about him looking really sleepy in the meetings. What do you hear about Canada's prime minister? Is there anything? Does anybody talk about I do <clears throat> no actually do you know what? I just had I did check that he was there and he is there. Um you say that Boris looked sleepy, at least he didn't fall asleep, which is what President Biden apparently did uh, yesterday. <laughs> so because uh... <laughs> <laughs> It gets played off by the Canadian government that he's making these big, bold speeches and everybody's listening. Do you hear anything in the gossip world or the conversation around this about the Canadian prime minister? Anything? Oh, dear. Is it is it bad of me to say no? I don't. Sorry. No, it's that's what I want to know. I want to know because it gets played no. to us like it's so important. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure they're all saying their bit. I mean, they've all meant to have done their speeches yesterday. Um, I know Boris did his. Um but they're just it's it's all hot air isn't it you know they're all just saying the same thing and, and oh, okay. i'm sure when they get back they'll do it but no i'm sorry no i i i couldn't even tell you what to, the president of canada said 
Maybe yeah. I should have looked it up, knowing I was coming on to a Canadian No, no, I, that's <laughs> no answer. No answer. And the honest answer is perfect, by the way. That makes us happy. He's a prime minister, just to be clear. The, um, oh, the okay, prime so minister, yes, sorry. Yes. Highlandtitles.com, and this is where this conversation really hits home for me. I met Stephen a couple of years ago uh, because of highlandtitles.com. It's a nature preserve in Scotland, and what they do, the, the old historical rules in Scotland, if you're a landowner, you become a lord or a laird or a lady, and um, you get to carry that title as a landowner. That's created a marketing opportunity for this particular Highland Titles um, Nature Preserve. That is how you guys are funding the, the, the reserve and, and everything else. Tell us a little bit about it, because this conversation about environment does hit home for you, because that's how you guys, you know, do your thing. It's how we start. Well, 10 years ago, how we started, you know, we, we bought um, a, uh, a, a dense forest full of Sitka, Sitka uh, uh, spruce that that needed clearing out, and you know we've managed to create a a, a nature reserve in Glencoe using no government money, no outsourced funding, purely by selling a square foot. So it's owned by thousands and thousands of people all over the world, and it's a it's a it's a big family now. And uh, yeah, you get the fun title of Lord or Lady. It's a great uh, great gift to give to somebody for Christmas. And and it's very reasonable, and you get to be thinking about saving the environment at the same time. You know, it's a good it's a good gift. You can now download the gift if you don't want to have the uh, the actual product sent out to you. You, you can do an eco friendly one, which needs now just you just download the certificate. You can print it at home or have it on your uh, your smartphone. Show your friends and family that you're now a lord or lady, and you need to be treated in the way that lords and ladies are treated. Mm-hmm. The Lord of Glencoe. Isn't that right, Shane? Um, that's right. You got it, Lord Stephen. I, I, I love it. It's one of my favorite things to talk about. It is on my credit card. Um, it is a lot yeah, of fun. Yeah, you totally and... put it on your credit card. That's pretty. I've got it online. That, that's that's yeah. good. When we're allowed to start traveling again, we'll do a little bit of well, uh, one traveling day. with the old Lord and Lady. Okay? <laughs> I do hope I check into a hotel one day and they read the credit card. And yeah. they'll be like, yeah, oh, let's give you a free upgrade. Right? Look at your credit card now. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah right. Yeah, right. I'm hoping. We'll see how it goes. Okay, so it's HighlandTitles.com. Look, uh, Stephen's been so generous Go with visit her, the website. his time. It's all on there, all the do information it. about what we do for the nature reserves. Yeah. We've just uh, acquired two new ones as well. So uh, we're expanding oh, our nature reserves. Um, so I and, uh, uh, can you do me a favor? Can you send me a picture of just just of the forest, right? Like it's nothing. It's just a it's a forest that with path you walk through. But um, can you send me a picture? Because we've got a Facebook group, and I would love to post yeah. that on there for it, so people can yeah. see what it looks like. And we had all kinds of shift heads last year. Go out and buy them as gifts. Uh, they're they're fantastic. And um, there's discounts on the website too for Christmas and 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 give it a look. And Stephen's so generous with his time. Thank you, Stephen, for uh, being uh, hey, here with welcome. us and filling in for Chris Gilbert. I appreciate that. Chris Gilbert. Um, yes, I should remember that. Yeah, and and uh, congratulations to him on his uh, current uh, marriage. Absolutely. Japan, Keep us up to date. If uh, yeah, he's in Japan. If we uh, if we have anything that goes on there at COP26, you'd be our guy. Okay. <laughs> no problem. Anytime. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.